So we need to be able to step beyond these quite religious terms that we use because when you think about it, well, what does that actually mean? Well, are you saved? Well, the question would be, well, what have you been saved from? Not did you take a, yes, I know Jesus now. Not a did you pray the sinner's prayer. But what have you been saved from? As everybody goes quiet. We need to be able to know what he's rescued us from. And if we don't know the answer to that question, that's perfectly fine. But let's go on a journey to find out what we have been saved from. So lost means to have gone astray or missed the way or be bewildered as to a place or to a direction. Now Jesus defined himself as the way and he is the way. And this is about relationship. It's not about an ideology. It's not just about a single principle. It's not a philosophy. It is a person. We are connecting to a person. And because Jesus is, we are. Now I'm going somewhere with this. You all look like you're staring at the ground at the minute. This is from uh, John 8, 12. He, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then he says in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but puts it on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus doesn't say, you must, you should. If you don't, I'm going to be disappointed. You need to do it in this way. You need to have them say these things. He says, let your light shine. The only way actually that we can stop our light from shining if we disconnect from the Father, if we choose to block it by our lifestyle, or if we choose to hide not the truth. You know, and actually with light, all light does is you switch it on and it just, just lights, just shines. It just is. I want to tell you a story. Now, for those of you who are parents, please hear me. I am not here to big up my son. I'm aware it will sound like I am bigging up my son. I love him deeply and dearly and think he's wonderful. Don't you think that of yours? So let me just tell you a story. Okay. So I'm coming to collect uh, Isaac from school on Friday. And uh, I had, uh, it was one of those moments where this could go one of two ways. A bit like earlier on in the week on a Tuesday when I take Anna to gymnastics and I take Isaac swimming. I'm standing in gymnastics thinking I better maybe get to the poolside just to check that Isaac's all right because I have to be in two places at once. And over the tannoy comes, would the father of Isaac Mark Woodward please make his way to the poolside please? As all of you parents go, <laughs> And again, would the father of Isaac Woodward please make his way to the poolside, please? I bolted down the stairs, trying not to be rude to everybody and throwing small children out of my way. Raced down and was like, I could see visions of them going, Isaac, breathe, son, breathe. And she went, just needs to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So I'm standing there uh, picking up Isaac on Friday and uh, the principal comes towards me and says, uh, and I'm thinking, he looks like he's making a beeline for me. There's a lot of people around me. This might not go very well, but I had my game face on. How I cope with reality. It's went. Yes, Mr. Mulligan. Uh, he said, I just want to encourage you. Isaac was overheard. I thought, oh, dear God. He was overheard. What did he say? And he said, he was overheard, and he was talking to this, this wee uh, guy, and he said, uh, so uh, are you, what are you doing over Halloween? And the guy said, well, we're doing this, doing this. And Isaac says, well, we, we don't really do Halloween because we love Jesus. Now, all right, you may go, don't do Halloween. We just don't want to do all that dark stuff. 
I think it's pretty dark. We don't want to do that. We want to talk about the light. So Isaac said, uh, we, we love Jesus. And he said, and you know, if any of that stuff really, really scares you, you don't need to be afraid because God's with you. And uh, Mr. Mulligan just stood there going, I thought, you know, it's true. And uh, he said, uh, I really just, just we need to be more like that. And I said, um, yeah, yeah, we do. And uh, he just kept saying, I really, I, I just, I, you know, and whenever you pare it down, what hit him was the simplicity of what Isaac was doing. Isaac has heard us talk for years about, you don't need to be scared, son. Who's with you? God's with me. Sometimes they get really irritated with us. It's like, oh, you can pull out the God card now. You don't need to be afraid because God's with you. And Isaac is not standing there going, okay, before I talk to my friend, I'm going to find out whether they actually know Jesus. I'm going to check that he's not a Buddhist or whether he's actually agnostic or atheist or, uh, excuse me, could I establish where you spiritually are? Do you believe that you have a spirit or do you just believe that we are? This is it. And you know, when you die, that's it forever. Isaac just goes, you don't need to be afraid. And for some reason, that really impacted the teacher. And it really impacted the teacher because it was really simple because Isaac's not trying to do anything. He just is. He just is. And in all of this, please be free to be yourself. Jesus is not looking for you to be a carbon copy of other people and how they do it. He is not looking for you to fit into the molds of evangelism that we have always uh, thought that it should be. And a number of years ago, I had this dream. And the dream was slightly disturbing. And we, as a ministry, for some time had uh, just had done dream interpretation. And we still do. But we had been in coffee shops and um, just invited people to come in if they had any dreams that they could have them interpreted. So I was sitting in the coffee shop. And Andrew, who was leading it, said to me, anybody got any dreams? And I thought, there's no mission I'm sharing this one. Because it was one of those weird ones. And uh, not that you ever would have those weird dreams. No. As most of you smile, going, no, no, mine are all normal. And uh, Andrew said, so well, what about you, Colin? And I went, yeah, uh, hi, all right. So I started to share it. And as I shared it, everybody went, oh, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm standing in this dream, and I am able to talk to dead people. Yeah, yeah. They all went, oh, oh. Actually, I woke up from the dream going, get out of my mind and my head. In Jesus' name, this is so dark. This is awful. So I was able to talk to people um, who were dead. And there was this other lady in it. And uh, she was a medium. So she was able to talk with dead people. Let me just say that they're not talking with dead people. They're talking with spirits who are masquerading as dead people. And it's not something you want to do. So that dream deeply, deeply offended me. But the interpretation was... You're gifted to be able to bring people from darkness into light. And the old models, in the dream, I was told that if I didn't do it, that uh, there would be uh, this lady who is the medium, a well-known medium, and she would be doing the whole, you know, this is your granny talking to you, and she wears this, and you know, all that sort of stuff that mediums would do. The interpretation of the dream was that I've been gifted to be able to pull people from darkness into light, and that uh, the old models, the old medium, those ways just didn't cut it for me. It, it just didn't feel right. It's not how I do things. I came away from that dream going, my goodness, I could have missed that. I love talking about Jesus. What I don't love is whenever I have to feel like i got to say, okay, well, okay, this is Carol, and uh, Carol doesn't know Jesus. She does, but she doesn't know Jesus for the purpose of this illustration. And I need to get her, if I'm a good Christian, from this point, which is she doesn't know him too. She's now prayed the sinner's prayer, and she comes to church all the time. 
Now, that train of thought also just means that, well, she comes to church, she's prayed the prayer, then we're all good. Isn't that how it works? No discipleship? No how you doing? No struggles that come up in the process? Tell me, has your life been perfect since Jesus came in? (laughs) He gets me into a lot of trouble. And he uncovers a lot of trouble that's already in me anyway. So the whole thing's about this journey. The point of saying, would you come in, is the beginning of a relationship. That's like me saying to Claire, I love you, let's get married, we get married, and then we don't speak ever again and live in separate houses. This is a relationship. So what I find liberty in is I get to be myself. And in getting to be myself, I get to let him shine through me. And back to Isaac, he's just doing what he knows. I said to him, tell me a bit more about this son. He was getting really, really irritated with me. Daddy, I can't remember what I did. I can't remember what I said. All I know is that you've told me that, and I thought that that might be helpful to him. What has God told you? You don't have to always be about moving people across the line. You get to just share with others what God has shared with you. So you let your light shine. And as you let it shine, it'll illuminate more than you thought. And maybe actually there will be people standing beside us in heaven, not because of the big things that we did, but because maybe they overheard us. Or maybe we walked into a room and we just were a wee bit lighter. Or maybe they don't even know, but God used us in some way because he was present in us. Often we're not aware of the effect in partnership with him that we are having on those around us. And the sad truth is that often we could be the only Jesus that some people are ever going to meet. So we want to be him. We want to point to him. It's about him. I keep having those situations in work that I always tell you about where people come up to me and are quite abusive and I have to deal with them with the eyes of everybody in the shop on me. And there's this one guy who's always there and he loves it. And he loves it because it's not happening to him. Little does he know that he's learning something from me because likely it will happen to him, but we'll not tell him about that just yet. And he's saying, well, how do you do that? And I'm going, look, you've got to understand, whenever it comes to that point, I kind of leave the building. I step to the side and I said, it's Jesus standing right there. And he's looking at me going, duh, I don't know what this is. And the most recent one, he said, I don't get how you did it. And I said, I keep telling you, I love Jesus. And at the point where you're saying it's amazing, I step out of the building and he's standing there. He's like, right, right, okay. But I feel no uh, force no guilt, no shoulds. I don't feel that I need to somehow get him to say, I know I love Jesus and I'm going to go to church. My job is to let my light shine. So wherever you are, let your light shine. You've all seen it as well with um, things that you do or people that know your family. You'll do something and uh, people who know my brother, uh, I was with a guy and we were talking about something. He got to know my brother quite well. And uh, he and I were talking. He went, you're so like your brother. Or I'll be saying something to uh, an old friend from a ch- one of my mom's maybe old friends from church to go, you're so like Pamela. And I'm thinking, thanks. I'm a boy. Please vindicate this in a nice way. Yes, I mean, your, you know, your mannerisms. What are you trying to say here? Or, you know, you really like your dad and the way you like to do that. It's just a family resemblance. I'm not thinking, you know my brother, therefore let me crack a joke like my brother does so that you'll somehow go, I see the family resemblance. I'm just being myself. So in this whole journey, instead of us forcing it, why don't we just say, hi God, I'm determined to do my life with you. 
And because of that, I know that you're going to influence me. And therefore, maybe I'll actually become like you. Rather than, I'm nothing like him, I'm a worm, how could I ever possibly do that? And the whole, do you know, when somebody comes up and says, you see when you did that, I, you really showed me Jesus, instead of the Northern Irish mode. No, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me, it's all the Lord. Anybody do that? Well, it couldn't possibly be me, it's all the Lord. No, it's you too. You're in partnership with him. So we don't need to somehow go, oh no, I'm the worm, I'm the worm. He died for us. We get to be ourselves. Reaching out needs to be who we are. We want to reach out in this church as part of our DNA. And the twofold purpose is that we want people to experience life with Jesus. If they already know him, there's more. If they don't know him, well, here's a whole other world that you didn't know about. And we also then, the second part being, want to call them to come and join us. So if you're here today for the first time, it's really good to see you. If you're here and this is maybe your fourth, fifth, or I don't know how many times, why do you keep coming? Not as in I go away. But you want to answer the question, what is it that draws you here? Is it simply the people? I would suggest to you it's not. Is it the worship? I would suggest to you it's not just that. Is it this? Is it that? It's him. Hasn't Russell nods at me? It's him. So whatever benefit you have found, why don't you talk about it? Share about it. And for some, this whole journey is going to require some uh, reorientation in the sharing. I've already covered this a little bit. Reaching so much has been enshrouded in guilt, hasn't it? We so felt that we should do this, that we're somehow a bad Christian. Those two words are oxymorons. Oxymoron. Jesus died for you. He, he died for you. You don't live anymore. Jesus lives. So you can't be bad. You can make poor choices, but you can't be bad. The old models treat everyone as the same. They assume that everybody's in the same place. They have a cerebral approach. What I mean by that is, uh, if I'm uh, thinking about it and getting you over the line and praying the sinner's prayer and you have objection, I'm going to fight your objections down. I had a guy was uh, sharing about some difficulty that he um, had in his marriage. He's now divorced. And uh, I was standing there and just listening to him. And he said to me, so where's your, where's your defensive argument? I went, I'm not trying here to convince you of anything. I said, you're standing in the middle of pain and hurt. I'm not here to shove in your face that somehow marriage is wonderful. That's not been your experience. I, please feel free to not argue. If somebody doesn't agree with you, is that not all right? So we talk about Jesus. We share something that happened. Somebody goes, well, I don't believe that. I would go, that's all right. It's quite disarming because they're so used to, well, you need to believe it. And if you don't believe it, this and this and this is going to happen. Well, if somebody did that to me, I would say, I don't want to talk to you anymore and walk off. So let's give people some respect and some liberty to make their own choices. Does God not do the very same thing with you? Come on here. God, I, I, I don't want to do that. You know, it would be really good if you did. I think you might find some benefit. It looks really sore, God. I don't want to do that. Okay, son. It's one of the scariest things I've found about him. He will respect your choice. So let's be like him and give other people the choice to choose him or not. And if they don't, love them anyway. So the old models uh, sometimes use fear, sometimes use pressure, use guilt and manipulation. It's often forced and it's often awkward. What we're looking for is ease and flow. 
We hope that when you come here, when you're new somewhere, of course you're going to feel a bit awkward. But hopefully, I, I, I love the time whenever uh, Claire or whoever's doing announcements says, come on, let's stand up and chat. Because everybody goes, all oh, right, okay. Let's just talk. It's going to be all right. We're looking for ease and flow in every part of our lives. Because when there's ease and flow, then people are open and people are free. If I said um, somebody I didn't know very well, um, I'd like to share the gospel with you, what would you do? I would probably go, what now? I've never talked to you before in my life. We, we have no relationship whatsoever. Do you not think I've heard that? What do you actually mean? I would grill them. What do you mean by that? What is the gospel? So it's just that. What about this? You don't even know me. So what's your agenda here? Is this more about you than it's about me? Whereas if I got to know somebody and we were chatting and, you know, I maybe make them a cup of coffee or, you know, we even have a, a, in work sometimes there's difficulty, shock horror. And then maybe at some point they say, hey, Colin, you know, you're a Christian. What do you think about that? Is that not a lot easier? Now, of course, there are the times where we're standing there going, I really need to say something, don't I? And you're going, oh, really is the time. But even in that, we can say, look, you know the way I really love Jesus? Well, I just want to say to you, he really loves you too. And I know that might sound really, really weird, but I want to share that with you. Even that is more normal than putting all of the religious stuff on, shoving it down somebody's throat, dragging them across the line, getting them to tick a box in prayer, prayer, and resenting you for the rest of their lives. Let's let our light shine. Jesus modeled staying in constant connection with the Father. He said in John 15, 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father and his heart for his children. When I worked as a portrait photographer, we would have had obviously lots and lots of kids coming in all the time. And some kids were more difficult than others. So what we would do is we would go straight to the parents and say, what works? What, what, what's going on here? They seem a little bit scared. What, what happened? And they might say, well, they don't like that program you just said, or you did a face that scared them, or uh, they're really intimidated by this, or they really like being tickled, or they really like this program, or whatever it is. And why don't we go to the Father and do the exact same thing about his children? So whenever we're with somebody and we think, oh, I wonder, should I share something? Father, what, what do I need to know? That's exactly what Jesus did. Do you remember when he was with the woman at the well? And he was uh, chatting with her, and it all gets deep pretty quickly. And she says to him, I want this living water that you're talking about. And he chats to her a bit more, and then he gets a word of knowledge. And a word of knowledge is something that you wouldn't normally know in the natural. And he says to her, uh, call your husband. She says, I don't have any husband. He said, that's right, you don't. You've had five, and the one that you're with at the minute isn't. And she says, well, here, we can all tell you're a prophet, so you tell me more. And then Jesus starts to talk about that God's a spirit, and he needs to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And, and she then talks about the Messiah, and he says, you know the one you're talking to right now? I'm the guy. Just in the flow and the ease of conversation. He reached out to individuals exactly where they were, exactly where they were. And I've asked Peter to pop up. Um, you'll not, probably not be able to see it, but it's called the angle scale. And I've used this before. You can see it a little bit. Basically, this guy, Mr. Angle, James F. Angle, uh, devised this helpful tool, which is the scale of where people are at in their um, knowledge or relationship with Jesus. 
And most of the time where we have assumed is if you can see point 10 there, you can't see it at all. It says decision to surrender to Jesus. Most evangelistic models are based on that point. They're not at point 16, which is ongoing growth. And they're not at the point where there's no awareness of God at all. Now, I'm an individual, as are you. I am on a different place on this scale to you are. I go on different places in this scale all the time than you are. If I assume that everybody is at the place that I'm at, or I assume that everybody is the place that you're at, then am I not going to get it wrong? Does God not know us intimately and deeply? Does Psalm 139 not say that we, he knows our thoughts before we think them? He knows when we are about to stand up and when we're about to sit down. It says that uh, there are more thoughts that he has towards us than there are grains of sand or stars in the sky. So why on earth do we adopt this one-size-fits-all model? So we want to reach out, not making the assumption that we know where everybody is. Let's get to know people. Let's share our lives with people. And let's assume that actually God does want to speak into their lives. And let's also not assume that God wants us to feel guilty, wants us to feel forced, wants us to sit, stick to a certain pattern of doing things, that he wants us just to be ourselves. And what I want to say about this angle skill is that what I find in it is it set me free. Jesus said in John 8, 32, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is that we are not all in the same place. And the truth is that God does not want us all to be exactly the same. So we get to be ourselves and we get to reach out wherever people are. So let's not be concerned with nailing them for Jesus Christ. Let's not be concerned about just getting them to tick a box. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that's all right. It's really good to have you. If you want to talk more, we are here. If you don't, that's all right. No, I believe there's a God who loves us and wants to set us free. Let's love people where they're at. Let's let's serve people where they're at. Let's remain in Jesus and stay connected to him and ask him for words of knowledge and be ourselves. Let's actually and actively resist the guilt and manipulation of the shoulds. If you are standing with someone and you're feeling the shoulds And what I mean is the guilt of I should share Jesus with them. Why don't you just hold that thought captive? Well, how could that be a thought that's held captive? Well, tell me, what's the fruit of it? It's fear. Normally based on that somehow God's going to reject you. Normally based on, well, I'm not a good person if I don't do that. Why don't we just say no to that, say yes to him, and just let our light shine? Does that sound like a plan? Our place of influence is where we are right now. Mark 5, 19. Go home to your own family and relatives and friends and bring back word to them of how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had sympathy for you and mercy on you. And he departed, this is the Gerasene demoniac, and he departed and began to publicly proclaim in Decapolis, the region of the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were astonished and marveled. And then this is from where Jesus had the conversation with the woman at the well. John 4, 28 to 30. Then the woman left her water jar and went away to the town, her town, 
And she began telling the people, come see a man who has told me everything that I ever did. Can this be? Is not this the Christ? Must not this be the Messiah and the anointed one? So the people left the town and set out to go to him. So where's your town? Where's your place of influence? It's right here and right now. Not where you were, not where you will be. It is right here and right now. The people that you interact with on a a daily basis, people you don't even notice in the shops, people that come to your front door, neighbors that we have, people here in our workplace, the cleaners in our workplace, those people who operate the parking lots that you park your car, people in your family, yes, the ones that we do see, but all of the people that we don't. We want to be prepared. We want to know how God reached out to us. We want to understand what we've been saved from. If you know him, you were lost and you were found. If that's been your experience, which I really hope it has, then where were you lost? How did that feel? Do you remember? Do you remember the people approaching you? I remember sitting in our uh, sixth form, the room for the prefects, and I wasn't going after Jesus at all. And this guy sat down beside me and said, so how's your walk with the Lord? And I went, I'm eating my skips. That's ridiculous. It wasn't even a, how you doing? How's things going? Just straight in there. <laughs> we want to get to know people. We want to know what it felt or remember what it felt like when, when those things happened to us. We want to have a prepared answer. First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And most of all, can I get you guys up? Where we're really going with this is we have to let ourselves be loved by God. We were talking about this in our leaders team. Most of us are happy for us to say to you, God loves you. He really, really loves you. He thinks that you're amazing. He thinks that you're wonderful and he's got these awesome and wonderful plans for your life. But when it comes to us, if I asked you and you really answered me honestly, do you know that God loves you? Nah. Well, how could he love me? You know, yeah, I get that some sort of lofty, objective way he kind of loved me a little bit. But the truth is, until we actually embrace that we are loved, we have nothing to give away. We've got to uh, see the lack of integrity that is present in our thoughts that somehow I can tell you that you're loved, but not embrace it for myself. And until we do let ourselves be loved by God, we cannot give it away. It is better to give than receive, but we cannot give away what we do not have. So what I want to call us to primarily this morning is, is to letting ourselves be loved by him. Now, you may think, oh, oh, but what about the lost? This is all about the lost. Well, what about them? This is all about them. Did we ever think that dying to ourselves might actually sometimes be allowing it to be about us? You want to be able to reach out? Let him reach in. You want to be instrumental in throwing out the lifeline and in the rescue of others? Let him rescue you. Well, I know him. I don't need to be rescued. I guarantee you that there are areas of your life where you need him, where you need to be rescued because you feel scared or you've got yourself into situations that you don't know how to get yourself out of or maybe you're hurting. Would you stand with me?
So every time that there's a message here, we always call you to respond. Now, why do we do that? Well, we believe that the Holy Spirit is present and that he's here and that he's active and that he wants to minister to us. And we want to eat whatever he's serving. So if he's serving, serving chicken and sweet corn, you may want the steak dinner, but the Holy Spirit is serving what he's serving. Now, what I believe that he wants to impart this morning is simply the love of the Father. So I've got some questions to help you to respond. Now, if you're anything like me, I don't need questions. I just come forward because I want to have whatever he's given. Do you need to experience the love of God this morning? Either because that's not been an experience you've had or because it's been a long time since that happened. Do you need courage to be yourself? To not feel like you have to fit into those molds? Do you need courage to speak out and speak up? Or are you simply tired of feeling the shoots? Tired of feeling that you're not enough, that you're not reaching out, that God's somehow disappointed with you? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then please come and join me at the front line. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence among us this morning. We thank you for the freedom and liberty that you desire to bring to us today by your love. And we know that it takes you to worship you. So Holy Spirit, will you come and increase your presence and let us worship you in spirit and in truth.